You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field, it is gone! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 148. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss some meatballs, we'll talk about the amazingness of the pitching staff, Ty Van Berkeley was opted out, we'll talk about the Indians coaching shuffle going on, and we'll discuss what they should, if anything, should do with the deadline, and of course, we'll take your questions. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Matt? Doing good. That's There's baseball. I think we've re- reached full sports density now for the first time in months, which is cool. I was like, watching I just wake up now. League soccer and then I at know, the same right? time watching baseball and then <laughs> hockey was also on. During the, during the, <laughs> that was also on somewhere that I wasn't watching. <laughs> and I was watching like the, the Bucks game or something. I don't even know. Like, But there's so many um, options and it's great. I can just wake up and I either put on Quick Pitch or Sports Center. It has mindless background noise and it's so good. Will there be a point, and I don't know this for sure, not, where on a Sunday – Soon, they will theoretically be able to chance to watch every single sport. I don't know if that's possible or not, but it, it could be. I don't know. You know, oh, yeah, I think MLS do? will be around. I think basketball um, probably. How long do they even go? What are they doing? I have, have, I have no clue. I have zero idea. <laughs> what's their going next on with season it. should be starting pretty soon. Right? I know they're just kind of playing <laughs> for a while. It seems like because they're playing yeah. like seventy-four games or something. And then like, I was watching uh, hockey for a few minutes. And it just said round robin up in the corner. I'm like, I don't know what that means. So, uh, <laughs> whatever, I'm, I'm watching. I don't care. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll tune in for a bit. But yeah, like the Premier League season just ended and it's starting again. And also the Champions League like quarterfinals is coming up. And also the Champions League group stages are kicking off in like two weeks. So soccer is eating its own tail. Um, and then, they're, they're gonna be playing a lot, and then going straight into their their normal stuff so yeah i know oh exactly it's yeah mls they just finished their tournament and i guess they are going back to be playing in their home cities which is great you know i mean yeah i didn't even know what was going so they did a tournament just to be back which doesn't count for anything and then they're going back to a regular season like is this their championship from last year i am unclear honestly i know because they were (laughs) that's how you know it's going great (laughs) i was they were talking about the supporters shield being on the line which is what you get when you win the regular season i think because they have the regular season, they also have the tournament at the end, uh, kind of like the uh, Mexican soccer. But um, I don't know. I don't know if they're just like. So this has been a fun thing, which is I, honestly cool. Fine, yeah, you know, whatever. If you're the winner of that, that that cool trophy, then you have a thing that hopefully we never have to give out another one of. And <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of cool to make it a one-off thing, especially for a yeah. sport like like soccer that got interrupted in the middle. Because basketball's whole thing was, I mean, even hockey is the same as they got everything screwed up in the middle of their season, so now they're. Yeah. It's like two different seasons, but you get one trophy out of it. So, but that's enough about other sports. You know what we need to yeah. talk about? Let's hop in. Meatballs. Meatballs. So I like mine this week. I'm excited about mine, but I'm, I'm going to make you go first. I'm going to save the best. It's probably not the best, but um, what's your meatball this week, Mary? This circles around a mighty human being, a man big as a house, uh, arms like tree trunks, head like a block of granite i don't know i'm sure he's a smart guy uh, fred mill race uh yes. <laughs> is it really <laughs> it's something with fred mill we got to check these beforehand i guess i swear to god if you took my same one <laughs> well all right so he uh he has six hits over this in this series well over the last three games um but i wanted to talk about a pair of them specifically because of how the, the broadcast crew reacted to them um 
you know, he hit, he hit two home runs, which is really cool. But he also hit a 66-mile-an-hour exit velocity single uh, line drive to Nick Castellanos against the Reds. And a couple nights later, he hit a that was a 69-mile-an-hour single on a ground grounder to Adam Engel of the White Sox. Both times perfectly placed, it was said. And I just, I don't know. I thought it was um, funny and neat that th- this is a guy who, you go down his batted ball list, and it's just 105, 107, 98, just obliterating the ball, but two of the hits that have been kind of getting him to get out of his uh, slump, I guess, as it were, have just been garbage. Check swings and like act- one of them, honestly, I think he check swinged and hit and still hit the ball like 90 miles an hour or something like that. So I don't know. I it's it's the kind of thing that happens when things are going good for a guy, and when you get out of a slump, you the, the hits that were not hits are now hits, and you get accidents get to go with you along with the missiles. So um, it makes me feel good because he needs to be able to hit because they have the worst offense in all of baseball, and if he doesn't hit and no one else hits, then they're still going to win half their games. It seems like, but still, it sucks. Anyway, that's mine. Just um, friend Mill Rays, lucky and hilarious at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially mine too. Mine is, <laughs> is focused on the check swings because it was, it's, I noticed the one that he got a hit on and there yes. was also, um, that was off Dylan cease. It was 69 mm-hmm. miles an hour. Like you said, um, that, that was somebody got a hit, but also he had two other ones previously. There was one, um, the day before off Luis Castillo, that one was 65 miles an hour, but it went straight to Joey Votto. If, if Votto doesn't make a great play, that's another hit he yes. has on a check swing. Yeah, he's been and these are like hideous the... swings. Oh, like, he's awful. clearly not swinging. Oh, horrendous. And he's still hitting it out at like 70 miles an hour, which is ridiculous. I think it was so he singled against Zach Littell at 98 miles an hour on a grounder. No, that was a left field, too. So I don't know. That was, I, I, yeah, I saw that. That was like a protect swing. That wasn't quite a check swing. I And then I don't know. Like the RBI, he had uh, a couple RBIs he had, he had the other night, just a little kind of bloopers where he just, he just got jammed right up there. And he is so goddamn strong. I mean, to be able to get that 120 feet away from the plate and to drop for a hit, like, those home runs he hit, what they were, uh, hundred and two miles an hour. No, hundred and seven miles an hour, and then a hundred and whatever else, hundred and one. He does that by accident. He just has such dummy power. It's so cool, and I think him getting out of his own head is going to. I don't think he's going to, you know, be a two ninety hitter with a three fifty on base percentage. But like, as long as he's making, like he can. It's it's like um, I don't know. We have pined. You specifically have pined for Joey Gallo for a while now, and you have him now, man. Here he is. This is a this is Joey Gallo, a massively strong human being who hits home runs by accident. And uh, no, I, you're right. We, first of all, we do need to check these at least the subject beforehand. But he's been. <laughs> it's been nice to see him kind of break out. I had a couple other ones that I was gonna that I had half put together, but I couldn't find the numbers behind it. Is it good or bad that he's hitting these check swing? Like, sh- is it is it a sign that he should just be swinging at the dang things, or is it good that he's I mean, that means he's locating well, or he's he's tracking the pitch, but he's not confident enough to swing at it for some reason. Or maybe he's just not tracking, and it was three straight luck pitches. I mean, but again, it, that's... I can't like decide I said, if it's good or bad that he's doing this so often. They, yeah, they, there's one of the many old adages in baseball is just that when you're going good, the, the, the bloops fall in all the time, and that just seems to be what's happening with him. Like, both those times... Like, well, I mean, he's uh, not going good, though. I mean... <laughs> Well, I mean, for that first one was before his home run. The, that was that's true. Yes, correct. But like, it's it's he's starting to go. Like things seem to be turning in his direction. This is kind of what, yeah. when he when one gets on a hot streak. But I mean, you're right. I I don't think he needs to try and hit the ball. You know, pull the ball. Rick Manning's made this point time and time again. Like when he's going really good, 
he's hitting the home runs like we saw, right? Like they're going to dead center or they're going to right center because he just has that kind of power. It reminds me of, of all people, of Matt Kemp, the year he should have won the MVP. Like he hit like 50-whatever home runs, and they were all, it seemed like, to that kind of just to the right of center field was when he really clobbered one. That's what Reyes needs to do because that's when he's timing it correctly and and whatnot. So, I mean, I agree. I think he needs to swing more. Um, he's taking too many goddamn pitches. I'm sure we're going to see that happen tonight. It's going to make us all poop ourselves, but... Yeah, those strike threes, man. Those are brutal. And the one he hit, because for some uh, fun behind the scenes, when he wrote that the article about um, Fred Mo Reyes, he hit a home run. I think like right after you submitted it, or maybe literally right as I was. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but then, but also it, it fit in because that the home run was on a two strike pitch that was right down the middle, and he didn't just stare at it; he actually swung mm-hmm. at it. So it, it was neat to work it in. You could see that's what he was struggling with, and he fixed it for this one at bat at least temporarily and then good lord he crushed it so well again like that's just the whole between the years thing is is, it's such an under um explored thing especially for hitters i think you know we've seen such leaps and bounds made when it comes to pitching and how you can change that and and become much better at it because and i just this is uh, i i it's not really an opinion it just is what it is but pitching is very much the action and everything else that is a reaction to the pitch being thrown and being able to control the action is so much easier psychologically, so much easier to do because everyone else has to respond to what you're doing. It's the same reason that it's harder to be a cornerback than it is to be a wide receiver. You know, the wide receiver knows everything that's happening. Uh, the cornerback is just guessing. So to be, to be a hitter, you're, the, the psychological aspect of that is just, I think, as important as the physical. I, being able to hit the ball a quarter mile is, is great, but if you are up your own ass with it. You know, you're, 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 you can't think straight. Like, I don't know why more teams don't, I don't know, have maybe not a psychologist, but like a someone to talk to, quote unquote. And I guess that'd be what a hitting coach is. I don't know. But I think that's what a lot of managers end up being because there's not a whole, I mean, they're not making super tough decisions out there anymore. They're just going by the numbers. I would think a lot of the times they turn into just the guy to talk to you and get your head straight before a game. We, we know that's what Terry Francona is really good right. at. Well, it's just weird too that like I was thinking about this the other day too with the the um the Baltimore Ravens hired like this quantitative guy to follow uh their head who's their head coaches? I don't remember his name. Uh one of the Harbaugh's, James, John, John Harbaugh, um, follow him around and like tell him when to go for it and stuff like that. And like you saw the Ravens become much more aggressive because it made more sense. And it just it's one of those many things, like so many multi billion dollar industries that when you really start paying attention is run so stupidly with like, just like, because it's always been done that way. The, the fact that the staffs, whether it's the, the, in the dugout staff or the, the people immediately behind the dugout, why those staffs aren't bigger to help delve into the deeper things within the game. You know, like if there was someone who could, who was good at talking to batters and making and getting them to get out of their own head and things like that. I don't, again, this is just me kind of thinking this way, but like if you just could figure, have more people to help that with that support network, for lack of a better term, to help guys just be better at the game, be able to focus better on the game and not get so down into a slump because it's such a psychological game. I mean, Ray has said it himself. So it's just, it's wild to me that we still are just like, yeah, you have a bench coach and you have a hitting coach and you have a manager and their jobs are, tell you to watch more film and sit next to the manager and eat seeds and apparently for the manager it's do everything be a sounding board be 
a dad be all these different things and like why shouldn't uh the website i used to write for their then uh editor he he wrote a, a for his like dissertation or whatever it is for when you graduate from an ivy league school he wrote a thing about how there was a major uh inefficiency within t- within baseball when it came to paying front office staff because you can like, working for a front office. You're not honestly, honestly. You're not making that much money, right? Because they they understand you're able to pay you less. Like obviously, the general manager makes a lot of money, but like if you're just one of the quants or something like that, they're not making a ton of money. So if you could pay more than other teams, not by a lot. Like instead of paying them forty thousand dollars a year, you pay them fifty thousand dollars a year. I would move from Baltimore to Cleveland or whatever. And take an extra 10 G's and still work in baseball. And I don't know. I just, it's amazing they don't invest what would be way cheaper than if you're buying players to make those kind of around the edges adjustments. And I think teams are doing that. It's just. Yeah. And I think we see that too. Like it might be that they're, it's more effective to have a player like that. Like Trevor Bauer has talked about being a conduit um, for the stats. And I think we've seen that even just on the pitching staff. It started with Bauer. And then it trickled down to like Clevenger and now Bieber and Plesak. And I'm assuming Savali, all of this friendship that they're they're all looting off each other and and being that sounding bar, board. I'm sure that Mickey Calloway was at one point and Carl Willis is. But if you can have players that act that role, I'm sure that's that's way better than having a coach um, who can and do it, it. So I think we're seeing the benefit of it just on the pitching side. I don't know it, if it's and, actually and that, happening pitching wise or batting wise. That too could be why guys from why like you see so many people from places like Driveline Baseball, which has been a haven for players. So it's not quite a player going to get a job, but it's someone who they've already interacted with, who has a pedigree for like he's not just a guy who knows how to talk to people. He's a guy who has worked around baseball already, worked with current players, and has a knowledge of the current game. You know what I mean? So rather than just being another economist, you you, you hire to instead of figure out how to whatever shave an extra few bucks off whatever and then you know, to figure out how to be better at building a team it's someone who is involved in the game already and can communicate these kind of more advanced ideas to existing players and they have that pedigree that they can that they can trust so it's like that kind of abstraction i guess so because bowers who he is in part because i mean he he teaches the same things that guys like kyle body do you know he's because they are you know they both did the same. I don't know. They, they work together so much. So, yeah. And right now the Indians are, are they're going to test how effective this all is and like how much they need a consistent manager. I mean, with the fact that Terry Francona is out for, it's going on a week now, I think, and Sandy Alomar is in there and uh, Brad Mills was out right away. Ty Van Berkeley recently opted out. It's a whole, I mean, there's a whole lot yeah, of shuffle wow, going on right now. Yeah. There's a nobody there. Like their hitting coach. Um, Who's the base? Mike Sarbaz, he's in the um, dugout now. They have a different third base coach. So everybody on the field is different than it was before because somebody had to replace Sandy at first base, obviously, and then Harbaugh. Or, um, well, Sauerbaugh, that's his name, right? Yeah, Mike Sauerbaugh. Yeah, yeah, Mike Sauerbaugh. Yeah, there you go. He was. Um, so he's the he's just helping out Sandy as an extra pair of eyes right now. But it's it's all different now. Even Ty Van Berkelo, it was kind of odd timing that he opted out when the Indians scored 13 runs, <laughs> but um, he cited after. his own COVID-19 <laughs> concerns. Yeah, right after it happened. <laughs> Um, but it sounded like he was, I, I think at this point you take anybody who says they're opting out for COVID-19, you got to take them at their word. Otherwise they're oh, just being yeah. basically garbage people lying about it. But I don't think that's what Van Berkeley was doing. He said basically the fact that, um, when the Indians came so close to it, playing in Minnesota after the Cardinals did that as, as a high risk person himself, just because of his age. And he said he had a condition and complicated family matters that it made sense for him to opt out. 
mm-hmm. um, which which I'm all for. There was some people just being – I get joking about it because I don't think he's super great coach either, but there are some people who are downright like nasty about the fact that he was leaving, which is kind of shitty. But <laughs> I think in general, like – um, Everyone's shitty. There, there's yeah, lots I of mean, you know. Sean Doolittle had, had uh, Sean Doolittle had to shut down his Twitter account because people are shitty. So you know, I mean, it is what it is. So yeah, that's that's extremely bad. It, but you're right. The, I didn't I didn't even yeah. think about the whole. Everyone's you know. There's a complete. I guess this is you know. We we many people in the past have joked about the quote unquote value of veteran presence, and it being stupid, right? Like I'd rather have a more talented young guy than a worse older dude for. Because of just because that guy's nebulous ability to do whatever, although we've seen him, the impact of that in the past with like Juan Uribe, and now there's guys who are kind of ensconced there, and they all know each other too, which is helpful. Like there's not a lot of veterans. Or like yeah, I mean Lindor's the veteran now, right? Yeah, because right. remember I there mean, was Lindor, that time that Oscar Mercado uh, said that um, uh, who was it? I think it was Lindor was helping him something, and he got excited on the bases, and it was Brantley that passed that down to Lindor. So we're still seeing it with the players, which is nice, right? Exactly. I mean, before I it used to be Mike Napoli. It was Lindor who just <laughs> who yeah. basically got Leonis Martin kicked off the team. Yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> well, it wasn't like the day after he was yelling at him in the dugout, like, all right, yes, he's done. literally gone. Like, that's yeah. it. All right, he, he is out of here. So yeah, I would well, love even, to know what was being said there, and I'm sure it wasn't. Oh, 100%. But, you know, even yeah. with the pitching staff, like, somehow Shane Bieber is already a veteran. Yeah. I mean, he has the – he already – I mean, obviously, Clevenger as well, and uh, he's definitely like, those guys have very quickly taken on the mantle. I guess when you win an All Star Game MVP, that already matters. Ha- having, yeah. having and who would have thought that this year helps. Mike Clevenger being the worst pitcher would, would first of all happen, and second of all, the rotation would still be this good. Like not be a problem. Clevenger has been all. the worst two times through the rotation now, and he's had his own issues. But um, I, one one really funny thing that um, Mandy or uh, I think it was actually Zach Mizell was talking to the Indians like Mike Clevenger has a new pitch basically and he was he was being real cagey about it he said it has a mind of his own he's just throwing it to, to mix people up and then he talked to Sandy Leone I was like yeah it's a cutter <laughs> like, <laughs> that was funny so I mean Clevenger has a new pitch and even Shane Bieber um on Fangas Ben Clemens wrote about it that last year he was basically looking for something to work with a slider just as a way to improve and he, he got a curveball that basically mimicked the the horizontal movement which is almost none um so just a straight dropping curveball it didn't quite work the way he wanted to and then this year he's He's essentially throwing two curveballs, which mm-hmm. um, baseball in savant the way it categorizes slider. it. Right, yeah. Um, baseball savant, um, as, as the way they categorize pitches, he's thrown his curveball 30% of the time this year up from 20%. Um, and it's the best curveball in baseball by weighted pitch value at four. And the next close is Sonny Gray at 3.5. So it is a super dominant curveball or curveballs, however you want to say it. But this whole pitching staff has just been incredible this year. It's I, I think one of the more telling things, like they obviously lead in ERA, strike out rate, walk rate. ERA minus. They, they lead are really close and all that. But they're also, they have 102 inning pitched, uh, innings pitched, which is 20 innings more than the closest starter. So they're getting in and staying in. This bullpen is going to be like really good. Uh, uh, hopefully it can stay good and rested for the so long because the starters have pitched, what is that, like a full almost three games or two games, a little over two games completely over the next closest, which is the Reds. Um, but yeah, the uh, just this, this whole rotation. It's it's Bieber, Carrasco, who we haven't mentioned yet, but I mean he's also been really good. Clevenger, Plezak, and Savali is is incredible. Adam Pluko has been good when he came in um, as a starter once, and then as a reliever he did pretty good. So, um, I, yeah, um, just, what are your thoughts on this whole rotation? Is the fact that they're looking like the best ever? <laughs> they're insane so far. Which I'm yeah. sure some of that is just the fact that offenses are are not quite warmed up, but also nobody else is as dominant as these guys are, other than maybe the Reds. Well, you know, and like I was watching Plezak pitch yesterday, and he's has now three starts, right? And like the 
the White Sox are not a bad offense by any stretch. They're, I mean, by several metrics, they're a top five or top ten offense in all of baseball. And he's utterly silenced them. And then the Reds, too, are, are they're not a great offense, and he gave up some runs to them, but there were some stinky pitches he threw. And, I mean, no one's expecting Zach Plezak to be the ace of this staff. The fact that he is, what, the third or fourth best pitcher on the team right now is absolutely stupid. Um it is wild to me that Shane Bieber is just basically doing what Corey Kluber did and developing not even a, a slider or a curve, just a breaking pitch. Because like at this point, he still has a slider, and he still has a, a basically like a, almost a twelve six curveball, but he also has a, a kind of in the middle ground too. So what do you even try and hit? I don't know. It's it is wild to me that he has shown. I don't know, Matt. Well, I remember when he debuted, and it was just like, uh, Francona was like trying to keep down the comparisons to Corey Kluber and things like that. And like, you know, he's, it's not the talent. It's the, it's the mentality. And like the, the way he approaches the game is very quiet and, and stoic yeah. and things like that. But he's just so good. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. just so goddamn good. And <laughs> well, I mean, at first when he came up, he wasn't like this. He was just the guy who didn't walk he, anybody and was also he, pretty good. But now he's striking well, that's everybody the thing. out. His ability to just, this is what I thought separated him. And I could just see it coming his rookie year, he was not throwing just a lot of strikes. He was still throwing the same kind of strikes he throws now, which are just those like right on the black kind of strikes, like perfect, absolute perfect pitches. He does it over and over and over and over. And I don't understand how that's physically possible. And then secondly, I don't understand how only he can do it. Like Aaron Savali has an an ability to do that. I think he leaves the, the ball up too much still, and it's going to be a problem for him going forward. If he continues to do that, I mean, his fielding independent pitching would um, disagree with me, but still. So, I don't know. Shane Bieber has been just so goddamn good, and he keeps on getting better. Like, he was so good last year, and he's just he, – I don't understand how you get a hit off him at this point. Like, I don't – I don't. obviously, if he has a bad night. <laughs> I don't know but, how you'd even look and, like, be ready to play for it because he just has so many pitches, and they all look the same like, yeah, at for this so night, long. Like, at this point, if he's not feeling X, he can just go to one of <laughs> – Right. Three other near elite pitches. And at the end of the day, like if his control is only 80% of what it's supposed to be, it's still the it's still like Roy Halliday at his best quality. It's absolutely insane to me that like I'm talking about Carlos Carrasco. I mean, it, it was kind of a passing fancy of a thing of him being the third best pitcher when Shane or when uh, Trevor Bauer had that uh, great year. But like he is firmly the third best pitcher on the team, and also the fourth best pitcher or fifth might be Mike Clevenger, who, even when we say that, he's been very effective. Like he's been kind of effectively wild, kind of a, kind of a pitcher who continues to figure it out. And I think I I don't know. I'm sure that'll work out. But worst case scenario, it, it doesn't, and he and he's still a really a, good pitcher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. No, I'm 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 truly blown away by their ability to do this. I I had mentioned this, and I was going to bring it up later too, but I just. I tweeted that out yesterday that they are just they are an elite team in every single aspect of the game except for hitting, uh, which you know sucks. But some say that's important. I don't know about like, that. Though. I don't, like I don't know. Top, like I, I, don't know. I, I checked like every stat I could find. Like their top three, top five in pitching, defense, base running. They're not great at. Um, I mean, obviously having Reyes and Santana, and then also Santana on the team <laughs> on the team yeah, it doesn't, doesn't help really help a lot. Yeah, weren't they like one of the top in? Um... Was it? It was a defensive run save. There's one defensive stat where they like lead everybody, and yeah, also yeah, they have yeah, the least exactly. amount of chances to, yeah, to make defensive plays because of how many strikeouts the the pitching staff gets. So that shows you just how good they've been. 
like, on defense. I mean, Cesar Hernandez has been so good. And I don't know how much – I mean, and it's great. I don't care. I, I don't know and I don't care. But I'm wondering how much of this is helping guys like Klezak and Savali kind of ease in because they're showing such tremendous growth over last year. I mean, so, so I, I tried putting that, that, that article I wrote the other day about Clevenger. Is that, is that what it ended up being? There's one about Clevenger, yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote three articles that night, and two of them just did not come together. Uh, one of them was going to be just, just writing about, just ranking the curveballs of the team. Because I, I think it was after Savala, just dropping some hammers. Uh, Shane Bieber, obviously, is very good. But they all have amazing curveballs. And I just, this is an article I've been wanting to write, and I've written it kind of halfway in the past. And I just, I and I've talked about it before, too, but I just, are the Indians just... We're throwing curveballs. It's what our team does. We're going to be known like, <laughs> yeah. like, like the, the the Rays for a long time were known for having great changeups and developing great changeups. But Plezak's uh, curveball, not only all right. So here's the thing about someone like Plezak. Like it's not technically quote unquote a great curveball. Like if you look at it, the, the movement numbers, every single pitch he throws is below average. I mean, Shane Bieber has a good slider, but like a lot of a lot of the pitches these guys are throwing in a vacuum aren't amazing but they pair so well with everything else they throw that I don't know if it, maybe that's what they're known for. They're just known for building guys who tunnel well, right? Or like No, I think that's, uh, that's absolutely what it is. They've 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 gone all in on tunneling and how effective it can be. You can see that in every single pitcher. Like, I don't know if they, they drafted Plezak and Savali for that reason, but they've done such a good job molding them in the, the thought process of you've got to be good at tunneling, which I think that started with Corey Kluber and finding out how good he was at it and how effective it could be, and now everybody does it. Like that, and that's the thing with Bieber too. Like even when he was his rookie year, like just seeing his his ability to, like I, his slider was never any good. Like not when I say, say never any good, it was it was again in a vacuum a mediocre pitch. But because you always had to be ready for that fastball on the outside corner, you had to swing and miss at it. Like he, I think he hit what like eleven and a half strikeouts per nine last year, something like that. Yeah, something ten point like nine. Crazy, so yeah. yeah. But like, he was throwing not a, you know, he wasn't throwing his curveballs or his changeup, so it wasn't that good. He, he like he had gone mostly to that slider. That's what that um, Fangraphs article was mentioning. But he just hid pitches so well. His ability to like within his body hide the pitch on the delivery too. Like that, that's what these guys all do. They have such perfect like outside of Mike Clevenger. I think especially the 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 three developmental cases from that draft from the from the sixteen draft are such like perfect like pitchers in that sense where it's just the the motion is so good and like the everything about them is just very well developed i guess it's a weird thing yeah. to say <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i don't know it's just it's wild to me that they're able to do this and also those three guys are drafted at the same time they're all 25 yeah, they're all making they're, they're making a, a combined what million and a half a year or something like that <laughs> like it's yeah. Pretty stupid. Doesn't, like we were worried about the some kind of like end to this whole run, and then it's just like, oh, I'll say these guys are going to make it, so they can't <laughs> they, they can't lose more than eighty games in a season. They're going to be a winning team forever, even if it's not a ton of fun. So now the question becomes: Do they trade one of them or somebody just to get offensive help either this year in this weird season, or find somebody who's here longer? Like I, I feel at this point they could, if they really wanted to, they could flip Savali or Plezak or oh, definitely. Um, I mean, the thing, they could trade like, Carrasco, which would make them the biggest assholes in the world, but they, <laughs> they could flip one of these to, guys and know? get offensive help for a long term. But I, mean, I don't I, think they're going to, I don't think they or anybody is going to do really anything as a rental this year because the fact that it could just end in a week 
is too terrifying to put any kind of value into. But I would right. see I could see them either flipping a pitcher or whenever they trade Francisco Lindor, if they can get somebody long term for him, maybe. But the I, I don't know if it's going to be at this deadline though. I would put money on them on them not doing anything and barely anybody doing anything at the deadline this year. I agree with you. I mean, I've I've been saying and thinking and wondering why they don't trade one of their pitchers for offensive help forever. Uh, they finally traded two of those pitchers, I guess, last year. And they did. They got Fernando Reyes and they got uh, Yasiel Puig. But then the other one, they traded for a goddamn reliever and then an outfielder who can't hit. So, <laughs> yeah, the so reliever, they're 50 50 so far. 50%, the relievers, now, I will say this the two things that, that I complain that I and I think we all complain about with this team is one, they, they're hideously flawed offensively, right? Like they have. Uh, what three and a half good hitters right now? Basically, they they have guys that we like, and we have ho- like. I think if you if you could somehow combine Cesar Hernandez and Franmil Reyes, you'd have a super god star because he'd get on base all the time. He'd see a million pitches and he hit the ball, you know, a million feet. But like after about five in the lineup, it really starts to fall off depending on which Domingo Santana you get. If they could just, and then the other side of that being, of course, they. They can't seem to develop a guy. Watching Dylan Cease hit 100 miles an hour by accident the other day was like frustrating to me on a level I, I didn't understand. Like he's not having a great <laughs> yes. year, but he 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 made uh what's his name Jose Ramirez fall over with a slider, and then he also again he at one point he just spotted a hundred in the fourth inning, just bang. Uh, it was a fastball to Fred Reyes actually that he didn't did swing on. The Indians can't seem to develop velocity of all the things they can do and find. Like James Karinchak is the hardest throwing guy to come out of their out of their farm system, I think, you know, since like Cody Allen. And it's not like he throws super hard. He's not he throws an above average fastball in terms of velocity, but it's not like lighting up the radar and us going, ooh, very nice. You know what I mean? Like it's not that that guy from uh St. Louis whose name is escaping me at the moment. Or uh, any, I, I, I don't know. It's just with how velocity has risen, so like goddamn Dodgers are just rolling out these starters. Uh, the redheaded guy, Walker Bueller. Yeah, Dustin May's just out there throwing UFOs. I don't know what the hell his pitches yeah, do. Did what, you see that one two going? seamer? <laughs> yeah, that crazy. everyone saw that stupid thing. Like, <laughs> what are they? I don't know. Like, yeah. it's just the Indians. The one thing they can't seem to do is develop velocity, velocity, and and a and a, consi- and a good consistent bat consistently. Like. See, I don't think they care a whole lot about velocity. Bet. I think, yeah, like I mentioned, I think they're just all in on on tunneling and the, the benefits and, of focusing on that. I don't think they even care about. I mean, obviously they want velocity; it helps and it's important right now. But I also think they've they've gone so far in on just tunnel everything and make all your pitches look the same until they break at the last second, and you're going to be fine. And part of that, obviously, I think, is a money thing too. Like the Dodgers can afford to spend over slot and things like that, and like it's easier for them in a sense to draft and and develop because they have all that money lying over there. But the Indians have, first of all, haven't drafted very high in a long time. I think the last high draft pick they had was probably Francisco Lindor. They've been a winning team since uh, uh, Terry Francona came over. So they're drafting like 16th at the worst, but even, you know, even Lindor was what, 12th overall pick. So they can, they can get guys like Bieber and Plezak and Zavali who have certain aspects to them that they can start molding around. And yeah. one of the things will not ever be velocity apparently. But I don't know. I just I've I've wondered why they haven't done that for years uh, to get more help. And Fernando Reyes is supposed to be that help. Uh, this year's just been a little bit rough, I guess. 
I think they'll still get there. I'm, I'm not giving I up just, on them by any stretch. But I was I, so excited for the Verdugo, the idea of Alex Verdugo coming over. Like for that would have been Corey Kluber, I guess. I was so all in on that trade because yeah. uh, he would have just been that kind of guy to hit 280 with 350 on base percentage and with a 500 slugging percentage and just be good. I don't I honestly don't know how well he's doing with the Red Sox. I'm literally finding out as I continue to talk. No, he's, uh, he's hitting really two, good for the Red Sox. Oh, he's hitting 289, 357, yes. <laughs> He's okay, been so great, the, yeah. The, the thing I said just now, yeah, he's doing that. Yeah, well, like, wasn't just, that, that was a couple of years. Obviously, it's it's important to note that that wasn't this offseason when they might get Alex Verdugo. It was a couple no, years I, ago. I, it was before, um, it was the year before Corey Kluber got hurt. I think it was yeah. that, that winter before, so. I mean, we'll yes. never know. They'll take it to the grave, but can you imagine if they had... Like either Verdugo, Verdugo or Bellinger on the table and said, no, thank you. We like Corey Kluber. I so would that's got to eat them up inside every night. I'd set something on fire. I don't know what. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't know. Maybe just like, some... Or Chris Antonetti just punches his pillow every night before he goes to bed. <laughs> what do I do? Like, I don't, man. Just one of those guys would make this lineup so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Now I'm imagining that. I, I assume you'll lead off with Carlos Santana at that point. Then you go, what, Reyes, uh, Bellinger, Lindor... That's ridiculous. There's so many. I don't know. That's a banana boy. But again, this is that the the strength I've always had was is these pitchers. And is there another one coming? I don't know because when you look at their top pitchers, Aaron Savali was never that highly rated. You know, like Zach Plezak was never really like a super high draft like a farm guy, was he? I don't think he was. No, he was drafted like twelfth round. He was yeah, tw- exactly twelfth round. I, I I don't think he ever really rated. Very I mean, he wasn't even be a starter this year. <laughs> what are you talking about as a as a prospect? He was yeah. Well, this year is going to be in the bullpen. Like I just I don't think he ever really showed up that high on their prospect list. You know, like I don't think he was ever a, considered a top thirty prospect. And now they still have guys down there who are top thirty prospects. Maybe that's their idea. They they, they, they can get top thirty prospect pitchers, trade them because who cares? Because they're turning Shane <laughs> right. Bieber into the into Cy Young candidates. So yeah. Yeah, but now they don't have. They have like Nolan Jones, and that's it. So they're they're reaching a point where it's going to be an issue now with their offense, especially that they're not going to have long term solutions. Because I mean, and and more ratings like people have given up on Tristan McKenzie, who they can't really trade anymore. I don't think he has any value. It's I don't I don't think they're going to trade Lindor at the deadline, just because I th- I think it's better to hold on to him for the chance you make the playoff the, the chance that the playoffs exist yeah. than trading to somebody else who will bet they exist. I think you're more better off just to hold him. And then trade him in the offseason if you're really going to, which I think they will. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as this deadline, I think it's going to be dead. I don't. I can't imagine anybody does oh, any yeah, major yeah. I don't, moves. Yeah, I, I, I'd be very, especially the Indians, very surprised. Like it's just there's. I, I, I didn't. I, I'll be honest. I didn't even think about the fact that it all could all the whole house of cards could fall over next week. I didn't even oh, yeah, think yeah. about that. Yeah, imagine like, you trade. Um, I don't. I don't know who's a big rental this year, but you trade a bunch of prospects for just. I guess even in a regular season, you don't trade a bunch of prospects for a rental anymore, but. Imagine you get one and then it's done. <laughs> it's almost like we what we thought the Dodgers was going to happen to them um, when it looked like the season would never happen and they traded for Mookie Betts and there was nothing. But now clearly right. that's worked out. They've got him forever. I mean, I mean, um, I mean you look at the – like right now the the playoffs would be what? the Jesus well, Everybody Christ, gets really? in, Merritt. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, right, okay, that's <laughs> the thing because it's what, eight teams now from each league? Yeah. yeah. It's the top two plus two. Yeah. Yeah, like the Stupid. Orioles, the Orioles, the Tigers, <laughs> the Orioles and the Tigers would be the because because that's the thing right now. Who who the hell knows? Everything is so close. Uh, the Marlins are in first place. The Rockies are in first. The Rockies are in first. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, wow. everybody gets in. Everybody. Gets in. Uh, yeah, like, like the, the Astros are in second place and they have a losing record. Like it's wild that this is the way it looks and. 
I think that's what number one. You just won't see any movement. Is there's too yeah. there's too much uh, volatility with only having sixty games. Like you can yeah. pull Miami Marlins and just get sick for a week and a half, <laughs> and then. Just yeah. not have to play those games, I guess. I don't know. I, I can't remember if we talked about it before, but just the fact that if you have 16 teams in the playoffs, I think the opposite of the intended effect will happen. Like, you could have a team that's on the edge, and they'll just think, oh, we can get in. We don't need to trade. Who cares? We'll get in and have our shot, and good luck. Like, if you're the the seventh or eighth best team, I don't think that makes you want to go and trade out um, and just be a huge buyer at no, the chance not. of maybe being a sixth or fifth. Like, if you think you're going to get in, you're not going to do anything. I don't think the... Because the teams who are like the tenth team in the the majors, they're not good enough anyway. Or the tenth team in the the um, what do you I call it? Conference again, the league. Um, like if you're in the AL and you're the Royals, just because there's an extra spot, I don't think you're going to suddenly forego your rebuild just because you might get in as an eighth team and then be obliterated by the first by the freaking Yankees. So I don't I don't think it's going to do what they think it's going to do. I think this year they won't read a whole lot into it just because it's sixty games and so weird. But in the right. future, if they do this. I don't think it's going to work the way they want, and we're going to have losing teams in the postseason just because they can. Well, again, I think things will shake out a little easier. One hundred sixty-two, like I, the Rays are better than the like, Orioles are not on five hundred. They're really bad. <laughs> they're, they should be. They're going to win today for God's sake. They're going to be eight and seven after today, <laughs> which is what is that the same record as the Indians or close? That is um, one win behind the Indians. It's the same record as the White Sox, who's considered a good team. The Astros again are losing record. Rangers are losing record. So. Yeah, no, I mean, the Cardinals are two and three, so who the hell knows what to do with that one? <laughs> I didn't realize they'd only played five games, good lord. I don't even know what you do with yeah. that. Like, they're in second place, <laughs> ostensibly. Uh, I don't know how that works. Matt doesn't work out at all. What's going on here? Well, I think, uh, I don't think they're doing a minimum number of games required. Maybe they are. I don't think they are, but it, you just, they're just going to go by winning percentage. I, I, think I guess the, so, uh, but like. Because you can't make the Cardinals <laughs> play that much. And, and, no. All right, get out there, play a triple letter, five yeah. inning, five inning and game. I can't even imagine an owner would want to do that. Like burn out your team just for this season, and then you're screwed right. in the full season when you have fans. No, it's um, it's silly. I just I, I don't know. Like I think I'm sure things will shake out a little bit better. But like you said, the Indians, like the, the Orioles, aren't going to trade anyone to add pieces to make the playoffs. The Tigers aren't going to. Like, their whole point is trading the existing. Like they would prefer to trade away. Uh, CJ Crone to get more prospects, right? Like he's their best hitter right now. They they prefer to trade away Jacoby Jones probably because they don't care about a twenty eight year old because their window doesn't open for another two years. Like they they don't. Want, I don't know. Maybe maybe they do. I don't know. Like twenty eight's a weird age, but you know that's kind of in the middle. But like CJ Crone's thirty years old. He's a first baseman. They don't actually want him around. So I don't Poor know. CJ Crone. Nobody wants him around. Well, he doesn't know, stick I, anywhere. He always hits big dingers, then he's just gone. You know, him and Tommy Pham. I didn't realize he, Tommy Pham was on the uh, was on the. <laughs> he's Padres. everywhere, and he's so good too, and he moves he's, everywhere. Like, he's just a, he's that perfect. He's like the Jamal Crawford of, of baseball, who just like ends up on a different team. Like, well, he's good enough to have around, but we also just we can't right now. You know, like, I don't know. I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't. Think, <laughs> we just if can't. The, with you. I I don't think that the the. Um, Orioles are planning on building around Jose Iglesias, who's hitting 405 right now. So you know, I just that's 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 the that's the, the, the true facts right there. True facts stated right here. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, every week we ask everybody on Facebook and Twitter for their questions, and we'll do one. Uh, we got a couple this week that'll work out. Uh, the first one at J Queen Four on Twitter. They want to know: Is Lindor pressing too hard, not seeing the ball well, or something else entirely? 
Um, I, I think he's he's gotten a little better recently, but man, there is something there. He's it's it's the sliders. Everybody's found out he can't hit. Um, they're throwing Definitely. those a lot. It's it's got to be some pressing. I would think. I think everybody was pressing at one point. I would hope if when everybody else is relaxing, he is. Um, uh, it's tough to watch right now because he's not great. Um, I don't think it's it's to the ta- the the point that he was overrated or they shouldn't have signed him or whatever. But I I think he's going to be great. <laughs> Obviously, I wouldn't move him. Like what? Wait, wait, what do you mean overrated? He's what? amazing. I love him. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's already people that are that are saying that. They're like, oh, he sucks. He's terrible. Just because he's had a bad week. I don't think that's the case at all. I would still, there's no reason I would make him like the seventh or eighth hitter or something crazy just because he's had a bad couple games in a weird season. Um, I think he's going to be great again. I think you leave him where he is and you hope that he turns it around when it matters. I don't, I don't know. I, I, think it, I think pressing is the big thing, that he wants to be the hero for the team. And I think he's... He's at least great at being a cheerleader when he's bad, which is good to see. Like he's always the first guy that the camera cuts to cheering on his team when they're like. Uh, I, w- I would assume he's one of the cheerleaders for Fran Mel Reyes when he was having his downturn. But I don't know. It's just rough to watch Francisco Lindor how bad he's been, and I think it's he's just trying a little too hard right now. He's he's never been. I think running um, the the stats with with players in scoring position gets a little overblown, but he's also just never been good at it. I don't know. That doesn't change the fact that I would put him there every single time if I had the option to. It's just a a coincidence of his career to this point that he hasn't hit well in the clutch, but I wouldn't change anything about how you use him, but it would be nice to see him just imagine a half season of him being super clutched, hitting everything after the start that he's had. I think it'd be really good. I I didn't even think about this um, too, just the, with the weirdness of this season. And I remember there was an article, I think it was on fan graphs talking about how uh, starters are throwing even fewer innings than they did last year, which set at an all time low number of innings pitched. But, uh, just for like uh, over the last two, three, I'll say three years, Lindor saw fifty-eight percent fastballs in twenty seventeen, fifty-eight in twenty eighteen, fifty-eight point eight in twenty nineteen, only forty-two point two this year. And you mentioned, of course, the breaking pitches up to thirty-six percent this year. He's never seen more than what twenty-seven percent. So it could be just part of it that yeah, like um, starters are able to just kind of empty their tank earlier. Like they they know they don't have to figure out a way to get through an order a third time. And so he is th- just seeing harder pitches to hit, but like, I don't know. Like he, he has a, a highest line drive rate of his career. I think he's still hitting the ball. Well, I, as far as I can tell, like his exit velocity is what averages 89%. That's not any much, much worse than it's ever been. Launch angle is a little high, I guess. I don't know who cares. Uh, he's, <laughs> yeah, hit, uh... he's hitting more balls on the, his quote unquote sweet spot percentage is 35.3, whatever that is. That's the, the highest of his career. So yeah, again, I think it's a small sample size thing. I just, cause that's the thing. I can't, I can't look at his lot, his batting line of what, 234, 279, 422 and say, this means something to me. Right. Cause yeah. like we're at 64 at bats, which is barely the beginning of a normalization <laughs> it, point of anything. Yeah, and it sucks too because it still doesn't mean anything, but it means so much more in the context of this season. Right. <laughs> like oh, sure, 64 yeah. at-bats is, is nothing for regularly, but it also, when you're just looking purely at the results and what it means, it's still, it's terrible over. I mean, he's hit games. three home runs, which is something, and he's hitting the ball hard. Uh, not, a, I mean, his hard hit rate is lower than it was uh, ever, uh, I guess, but it's still yeah. slightly above <laughs> average. Um, he is striking out the most of his career and he's walking the lowest, lowest rate of his career. So I don't know. I mean, again, it could just be, yes, he's facing more. Yeah. And he's seeing more uh, sliders re- and, relievers yeah. and he's facing more sliders and he's just, he's just dealing with, 
I mean, batters have to deal with an incredibly different you know, makeup right now. Like I said, like outside of the Indians, every team is going to the bullpen immediately. They have 28 players. Like that's three extra relievers most teams are carrying, you know? Yeah. That, that's, that makes things a lot easier for the manager because they can just go and start outside of the Indians. Most teams have at least three or four just absolute savage relievers. Like the Indians have two and a half or something. Yep. I don't know. I, I can't figure out Cam Hill yet, but I, I don't know. I, I can't. I, I, it's, it's too hard to tell. Um, but yeah, it would be question, nice though. if he would hit nice the ball to... a little bit harder. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that one. Um, so we'll finish up with uh, Denise Banco on Facebook. She wants to know how low is too low for MLB batting average. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume this is about Carlos Santana, which I just wanted to talk about him. So I didn't include this question because yeah. our boy is not hitting the ball. Well, but he's also walking a shitload. Yeah, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like 10 walks in three games. It's 20 walks already. <laughs> but I mean, at what point is that a thing? Like the, how low does he have to hit before it matters that he can't get on base? Um, I, I would is... assume there's got to be some point. I don't think he's there yet. But his line is ridiculous right now. He's batting 174, oh, but also getting on base at 424, and then he has a 239 slugging percentage. Like he's been on base every game. Like that's the thing. Like he's he's on pace yeah. to once again get 80 walks, which he's done every year of his career. <laughs> he's a 30 percent walk rate right now. <laughs> like it's absolutely insane. It is wild. <laughs> so to answer that question, who cares? Honestly, if he can hit, if he can t- keeps this up, and he hits. Seven more home runs, and he has ten home runs, and just <laughs> seven ten home runs walks. is really good in this season. I think you want to lower that to like okay. Let's say he, he hits has, three or four total, maybe. Okay, well, no. Let's say he gets six home runs, and then he also because he runs into a few of just meatballs that are tossed down the middle of the plate, and then he gets yeah. eighty walks. Like, come on, <laughs> can we even be mad? Like, I don't even know, man. It'd be nice. Well, I can't be mad at Carlos Santana. So that's that's an irrelevant question, Mary. I don't. He can walk Correct. all he wants. <laughs> right. I mean, it would, he, he, I can't believe he has no doubles. Like, that's wild to me. He, he has nothing. He has, <laughs> he has nothing besides the one home run, some hits and walks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. No infield fly balls. That's kind of neat. He, he's going to be a really interesting stat anomaly, I think, this season. When we look back at, like, oh, that weird 2020 season, Carlos Santana is going to be the one, one of the ones that you can look at. Like, what in the world was going on there? Yeah, he's he's going to end up hitting eight, like eight, 085 with a 500 on base percentage. <laughs> what the fuck just happened here? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a 130 slugging percentage or something. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that question, Denise. I just wanted to talk about Carlos Santana. And uh, thank you everybody else for listening. If, if you're not already, go ahead and on iTunes and uh, leave us a nice review. A nice review. Some Somebody left a one-star review and said no to the Indians name change. Like, I don't. that doesn't have... That's not us. I'm not going to change the name of yeah, the Cleveland Indians plan. based on your podcast review. Maybe it's now I will, just because you left me a one star. I'm going to go. You know, that's it. I've changed it now. <laughs> it's now done. They're yeah. now um, the the rubber ducks. We've stolen uh, the rubber the, ducks the, name. They're the duck duckmen. The, the, duck the duckmen. The duckmen. The duckmen. There's, there's an apostrophe. It's not even duckman or duckmen. It's just duckmen. So there you go. So, Merritt, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Very well. See you then. See you.